and I want to welcome you to Christian Faith Center. My name is Kelly Sears. I'm a pastor on staff here, and I'm married to the best-looking pastor in the world, And but many of you knew that already. And uh, so we're so glad you're here. I am so excited today. I hope you are. Like, I have been chomping at the bit to get to this day, and I just have to tell you, we have 70 groups now, <laughs> so um, yeah. One just happened. So, uh, so excited. That's not to say we're going to have any more, okay? We're, we're capping out at 70 this time. But you know what I'm believing God for? I'm believing for big, hairy, audacious goals, BHAGs. Here's the deal. I want every single one of you to be in a group, which means we probably need more groups. But we'll just, we'll just pack you in. So if you want to be part of a group, there's no reason not to today. Uh, we just got back from a GROW conference. And they were talking about small groups at this GROW conference, and I was stunned by something. Uh, the, the pastor that got up there and was talking about small groups at his church, he said they actually have more people in small groups during the week than they have attending their weekend services. That is amazing. I absolutely love that. What that means is everyone is participating, and also they're inviting their friends and neighborhood. So that's amazing, too, because we want people that don't know Jesus yet to know him, right? And the best way that can happen is by building friendships with believers. So that's exciting. Uh, before we get started, I, I wanted to let you know I can relate to you. A lot of you are thinking, oh boy, we're talking about groups today, and that's just not my thing. And it's really uncomfortable, the whole idea. Can I just tell you, there are awkward moments in life truly, where we feel like a fish out of water. Maybe some of you are here and you're thinking, I really don't want people to know me very well because they might find out that I don't know the Bible very well. Hey, everybody starts at the beginning, okay? And there's actually going to be people that will help you learn how to study the Bible and make you more familiar with how the Bible applies to your life. So that one's out. Um, I don't want to go anywhere where people are weird. Well, you're weird. So if you can't beat them, join them, right? I don't want to go alone. Grab somebody next to you and say, will you join a group with me? That works, right? And just understand, because groups are all new, everybody's going to be new. So you're, everybody's going to be new. So you're all going to be new. So... You're not going to be new with, well, you're going to be new with everybody. So there you go. Um, I want to tell you a story about an awkward moment that I have, uh, and, and uh, it happened in church. I was about 18 or 19 years old, um, and my brother actually sang. It was during the gospel quartet era of the church before contemporary Christian music really hit its heyday. And so he actually sang on a group. Um, he sounds like Neil Diamond, only better, and I'm not joking. And uh, he was singing on a group uh, called Jimmy Riley and the Revival Ears. That's quite, that's quite a moniker, isn't it? And so um, they would be traveling around the country, but he happened to be going to a Baptist church in our era, area. And, um, and I was a charismatic teenager. And what that means is I carried my Bible um, to church, and also our church services were kind of wild, actually. I remember one night, we just circled around the sanctuary singing, Jesus, 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 Jesus. It was, it was great. 
I loved it. You can't necessarily live that on Monday morning, but on a Sunday night, it rocked. I loved it. So I was an on-fire teenager going to this Baptist church. Now, you have to know something. All my life, I had Baptist neighbors that would take me to church when my family wasn't going. So I love that uh, part of the body of Christ more than you can imagine. But I kind of came there um, like a fish out of water. And so I wasn't really dressed appropriately because it was just one of those traditional churches, dresses and suits, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's not CFC. Just you can look around. You can notice that immediately because um, we're, we're cool. And, um, anyway, um, so I already felt like uh, I had slacks on. I wasn't sure how that was going to go over. And it was one of those churches where there were multiple doors into the sanctuary, and so I opened this door, and without realizing that there was four steps going down into the sanctuary, I just leaped out because my grandson is like me, Jackson Danger Wheeler. For those of you that were in this service, you saw him launch off the stage. Yeah, that was me too. My mind is always two miles ahead of my body. And so I launched off the stairs and tumbled into the sanctuary, splatted on my face. It shocked me. I yelled out in the middle of their quiet prayer meeting, and three ladies turned around to me and said, shh. I, it was awkward, and I felt like a fish out of water. I just want to tell you something, in case you don't know it yet. You found yourself in a church where there are no fish out of water. Everybody in this room is loved by God Almighty. Now, you may not know that to the fullest extent, but we just want to let you know something. We love you just the way you are. And sometimes you go to a church where they love you just the way you are, but they want you to change immediately. You know what? We're leaving that work up to the Holy Spirit. He loves you too much to leave you the way you are. He always wants life to be better for you to be more abundant, the scripture says, to live life in the fullest. So you are in a church where we love you just the way you are. And our small group leaders have the same philosophy. So when you go to a small group today or sometime this week, just understand you're going to be loved to life there. There's a place for you, a place to belong, a place to be a part of. So I just want everybody to take a deep breath. And relax. You're in the right place, doing the right thing at the right time. I want to start with a scripture. Now, I'm going to be reading today out of the Passions Translation. It's just my favorite lately. I, I loved the way the scriptures read for my message today. So you can even relax. It should be on the screens behind me. But if you brought a New King James or a New Living Translation or a, a NIV, The scriptures won't match, so just watch the screens or listen, okay? I want you to feel comfortable. But Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 says this. Discover creative ways to encourage others. Now, I'm going to stop for a moment. That word encourage, actually in Aramaic, is translated, let us look on one another with the excitement of love. Wow. If we were to put Jesus' glasses on right now and look at each other, we would be able to approach each other with excitement. Do you know what I believe about God? 
He sits on the edge of his seat waiting for you to speak. You're that loved. And so we need to take on that kind of love and look at one another with the eyes of the excitement of love. Amen? So we need to discover creative ways to encourage others and look at them with eyes of love and to motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. We need to motivate one another. You know, you are so unique. Some of you are more unique than others, but that's okay. Why? Because God is so huge as to not be comprehended. And you're one small expression of his love. So you have to be unique because God is fathomless. You're a small piece of what he wanted to put into someone. So we need you. And so why wouldn't we come together to do acts of compassion and to express God's love in beautiful ways and works? Amen? goes on to say, this is not the time to pull away and neglect. I love that word neglect. It means to abandon. The Greek implies a person who is extremely discouraged. So this is not the time to pull away and neglect one another. Because there are those among us, even in this room, I would venture to say, that are feeling abandoned and extremely discouraged. And you know what? Sunday mornings, we love each other. It's very welcoming. My foyer is the favorite, my favorite place besides listening to my husband's preaching. But sometimes we can be in a crowd and still feel very alone. So that's really what we're talking about today. So we should not neglect one another or pull away, but we should meet together. And some have formed the habit of neglecting and drawing away. But the writer of Hebrews is saying, don't do that. He goes on to say, because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning, and that day is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something about Sunday morning church. It is awesome, and we try to make it more and more awesomer every week. How many of you eat only on Sunday morning, and then you don't eat the rest of the week? Anybody in the room? Just one meal a week. And yet we feel like Sunday morning can meet all of our spiritual hunger. I'm going to talk to you about small groups because it's in the context of small groups that we can feed one another. We're responsible for our own spiritual nourishment. And as awesome as Sunday mornings are and as powerful as the word of God and the anointed worship, it cannot feed every part of your soul. It just can't. We need more than that, and we need each other. The scripture sets the precedent and foundation for why we as a church, we're a church of small groups, not a church with small groups. My husband likes to say, it's not what we do, it's who we are. Now, That's expanding and expanding and expanding and expanding. And while I am thrilled to death with 70 groups, 
is still not enough. I want us to explode with small groups where people can feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves. We love people to life by looking at one another with the same eyes of love that God has for them. John 13.35 says, For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. I'm going to tell you something you already know. We live in a culture that Jesus prophesied about in in Matthew chapter 24. He said in the last days, and he, he makes a list, but he says something very profound. He said, the love of many will wax cold. Our culture is filled with an epidemic of anxiety and depression, mass shootings, abortion is rampant, people are rude and cold, and for themselves. And you can't even have a differ, differing opinion without being hated. Can I just tell you something? It's against that dark backdrop that the church can have its finest hour. Because Jesus said, I just read it, but you know the scripture probably a little bit better in another translation that says, they'll know you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. It's not going to be by our beautiful building, and it's a blessing. But this isn't the church, guys. You're the church. This is just a place where the church gathers. So we're not going to be known by our beautiful buildings or by how handsome our pastor is or by how wonderful the pastoral team is or how wonderfully we greet in the foyer. You know what we're going to be known for? the love we have for one another. And that love cannot be expressed outside of community. And so it's essential that you participate in that community. We have an opportunity to make sure that no one feels abandoned or or neglected, but it's up to us to seize that opportunity. And at CFC, we do that through small groups. So here's what I thought would be fun. I love acronyms. And I wanted to make this easy for you to remember. By the way, if you're not following uh, along with me in the church app, all of the notes are sitting right in the church app. So you're going to get all of this, and you can digest it at home. I just wanted to remind you. And if you don't have the church app downloaded yet, it's just Christian Faith Center app in your app store. Boom. You go to the at church button, and there's live notes right there for you. So you can do that right now, but still listen, okay? (laughs) But I came up with an acronym, GROUP. And so let's start with G. G is for grow. Let me tell you something about growing. Growing is not automatic. Let me tell you something else about growing. If you're not growing, you're dying. I'm going to ask God about this, but do you know that our noses and our ears continue to grow throughout our lifetime? And since a lot of our other facial features don't grow, that's weird. But... Evidently, we need larger ears and larger noses as we grow older. (laughs) I know, that's weird. Um, I want to show you a picture of an unplanted tomato. Okay, look at how healthy those tomato plants look. They are doing so well. They've gotten tall and everything. And it looks like there's some nice soil there and a, a gentleman that's about to plant them. 
if that guy got up and walked away and left those tomato plants in that condition, they'd die in about four days. They'd wither up. They would not thrive. Because as healthy as those plants are to start with, if they don't plant themselves somewhere, they're not going to grow. They got to have a place for their roots to take, you know, to take root and to spread out and be nourished. It's so essential. G is for grow because growth takes place in the context of community. And it only happens when you participate in that community. So there's a few things about the community of Christian Faith Center that relate well to a tomato plant. So I thought I'd look at some um, things that we need to consider when we're planting. Um, And here's some common mistakes that people make when they're planting a tomato plant. They ignore the forecast. As much as I would like to tell you that when you accept Jesus as Savior, your life becomes absolutely a panacea. It gets perfect. You never have traffic. Your mother-in-law never is rude to you. Your coworker uh, never tries to edge you out of a promotion. That all goes away. Everything you deal with, you never have any more financial struggles, emotional struggles, because God takes it all away. That's heaven, people. Jesus didn't say if you have tribulation. He said when you have tribulation. Sometimes we ignore the forecast that even if we're in a smooth season right now, we've probably got some rough waters coming. But I have good news. Jesus said he'd be right there in the midst of the storm. He's right there in the midst of the storm. And so will other people be if you get in a group. So we can't ignore the forecast. Sometimes we overlook tired soil. Um, that's why good gardeners are constantly digging away and they're adding fertilizer and they're making sure that that, that soil, if they're a good gardener, is uh, amenable to more growth. Can I just tell you something? Sometimes our life, we're in the same group, doing the same thing, talking about the same stuff, and that soil gets really old and really unhealthy. One of the beautiful things about being in a group at church is that you have an opportunity to get some fresh input from somebody else. makes me think of the picture if you're in the middle of a sea and the waters are kind of tossing you around, Are you going to turn to the other person next to you that's struggling and treading water? Or are you going to look to the people that are on the boat with a life preserver? That's a no-brainer, right? But a lot of times we stay in the sea and just stay with our fellow strugglers because there's some kind of weird comfort in that. When there's people on the boat that say, hey, hey, I have the answer. Come toward me and I'll throw you the life preserver. Sometimes we're in that unhealthy water where people are struggling next to us. And that's cool. We can encourage them, and they can encourage us. But they don't have the answer that we need. So sometimes we need to stir up the soil. Extreme heat. We don't take account for extreme heat. Life gets hot sometimes, doesn't it? We ignore pests. I'll tell you what, there's nobody more pesty than the devil. He wants to mess you up. It's his agenda. 
He wants to lie. He wants to kill. He wants to steal and to destroy. That's his plan. We're supposed to be acquainted with the strategies of hell. But let me tell you something. We can't ignore him. We need people to come alongside us, to stand with us sometimes when we're a little weak, right? We let the plants get thirsty. I already, I already talked to you about that, that we need to constantly be in an environment where we're having fresh water, fresh input. So important. And then finally, sometimes we stake a plant too late. A plant that's not staked can't bear the fruit. It gets too heavy for them. So let me say something about groups for you sweet little tomato plants. If you're in a group already when you get tired or the heat of life circumstances is extreme, you feel dry and listless or you're under attack or you're having trouble driving a stake in the ground spiritually, there will be people around you to pray for you, encourage you, and take the next step of growth in your life. Show a picture of a healthy tomato plant for me real quick. I don't know where you are. Maybe you're that little guy on the end. I don't know where your progression in spiritual life is, but when you get into a group, there will be people that are committed to one thing, help you take the next step. They're committed to that, and we want to be healthy tomato plants, right? So G is for grow. I think I can highlight this really well. There's a lady that she was in our first service, and her name is Betty, and she lost her husband suddenly last week. Now, you'd think, because we greeted Glenn and Betty Kaiser every single Sunday and loved them uh, dearly, and I will miss him incredibly, that we might have been the first people that she called. She called her home group leader first. Now, we got, we, we got in touch with her immediately. So, yes, we're her pastors. But she knew where to turn to first. And that home group and the ladies' Bible study that she's belonged to for 20-plus years surrounded her. They brought her food. They showed up at her house. They prayed for her. They supported her. And you know what? They'll continue. She didn't wait for the heat of life, for that unexpected moment that she could not have imagined to get into a group. It fascinates me that when we go to emergency rooms sometimes, that there aren't people there. People don't have people. But I've never gone to an emergency room where someone was plugged in a group where that whole group hadn't showed up already. G is for grow. Let's move quickly. R is for reciprocate. James 15, 16 says, Confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another. That word offended there can be translated, share faults, folly, or offenses. So we're to confess and acknowledge how we've offended one another, and then pray for one another to be instantly healed or restored. I love that word restored. It doesn't mean brought back to its original condition. It means made into what it always should have been. Don't you love that definition in God of being restored? 
And then it says, for tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. And all God's people said, amen and amen. When we come together in community, there is great power. But it has to be reciprocated. There has to be a reciprocal uh, context. The give and take of relationships is very risky. It's the most risky thing you'll ever do, and it's the thing that will make your life count and be worth it. Because when we confess our faults to one another, it makes us feel known. And when we're known and still loved and still accepted, it can make all the difference for us. And in that kind of vulnerability, hey, I'm a hurting unit today. We can pray the powerful prayer of faith, and you can be healed and restored. Because that's the number one objective of small groups at CFC, is that people would rush into that environment, have a reciprocal relationship with one another. The give and take of relationships is happening, and the power of God is released, and people are healed and restored. We need it. We must have it, and we can't live without it. So our is for reciprocate. O is for observe. The definition of of observe is notice or perceive something and register it as being significant. Synonyms, notice, see, note, perceive, discern, detect, spot. In 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter tells the believers, for when they observe your pure godly life before God, It will impact them deeply. Guess how I learned how to pray? Observing. Guess how I learned how to study the Bible? Observing. Guess how I learned how to be, I'm not not totally a godly wife, but I'm trying, how to be a godly wife or to parent my kids or to even be a grandparent, how to serve God with faithfulness by observing I didn't get here on my own. I've been watching Christians all my life do it well. And through my observation, I didn't have to learn the hard way. Why do we think that's the way we have to learn everything? Is the hard way by our own experience? That isn't even wise. I'd rather observe. But can I tell you something? (laughs) Somebody said to me, um, when I'm far off from you, you look like you're Filipino. And I was like, okay. Maybe it's the dark hair and the high cheekbones. I don't know. I think Filipino women are beautiful. So I was like, thank you. But up close, you can tell I'm Irish. (laughs) So observation is only as good as how close you are. Think of how well you can see things and the detail you see things through a microscope. So in order to observe, you have to get close. And the only way to get close is to get in a small group. U is for understand. We need to understand the importance of being part of a greater whole, something that's bigger than us. We also need to understand our part in that greater whole. As much as we preach and teach vision from this pulpit week in, week out, There are things that we're going to say and probably do that you don't understand. 
how cool is it to come into a small group environment where you can ask the right questions and get the right answers and gain some understanding? The other thing that we gain in understanding in a small group is that we get to hear somebody else's story. And they get to hear ours. I think one of the problems that young marriages have is that they think that the problems they're having in their marriage are unique to them. When, they, when if they would just talk to somebody, they'd realize that they are not dealing with anything that isn't common to every marriage. And it might set them free. We need to share each other's stories to gain understanding. Because when I understand, it brings unity. Jesus prayed a prayer for all believers right before he went to the cross. In John chapter 17, he says, You live fully in me, and now I live fully in them, so that they will experience perfect unity, and the world will be convinced that you have sent me, for they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love you have for me. That perfect unity there, I want you to understand, that word unity in the Aramaic is to shrink into one. You know what? I can't shrink into one body with you if I don't understand you and I don't understand our differences. How can I be unified with you? When God calls us, he's the head, we're the body, to shrink into one. Isn't that a powerful concept? You see, when I see Jesus in you, my vaulted opinion of myself shrinks. And I understand that what's common to you is common to me, and we have a shared struggle. And I can shrink into you, and you can shrink into me, because love is the highest currency in the church. And God calls us to unity. It makes me think about a small group of people in an upper room one time, the top of a house. And they were gathered together because Jesus had asked them to be there together, and they were afraid. The one that they'd staked all their hope, their future, their whole life on, had died, but he'd been raised, and they'd seen him. And he told them, go there. Come together in unity and be in prayer. They had shared values. An amazing thing happened that day. And they all spoke in other tongues. And they were all endued with power. And they went out from that place and they began witnessing. That was Acts chapter 2. By Acts chapter 19, they were accused of turning the known world upside down. What would happen, church, if we came together in unity, if all of our small groups were saying the same thing and we spoke the same language? What would happen at CFC if those gathering in our small groups would gain a full understanding of one another and who we are as a church? Would it change the way we pray? Would it change what we say? Would it change how we treat one another? And would it cause us to take our known world in the Treasure Valley in Northern California and turn it upside down. Let's find out. Finally, P is for progress. Not progress, progress. Because progress is a noun. I mean, progress is a noun, but progress is a verb, which simply means to move forward or onward in space or time. 
I love the way the Passion Translation reads in Philippians. Paul is speaking, and he's saying at the end of his life, listen to this. I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing. But I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future. Instead, I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. Now, here it is. He says this. So let all who are fully mature have this same passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them. Do you see how he's calling us all together, no matter what our maturity level in Christ is, to go for the same victory prize? And then he goes on to say, and let us all advance together to reach this victory prize, following one path and one passion. I love what my husband is always saying to us. None of us can do what all of us can do. We have a huge kingdom mandate here at Christian Faith Center to empty hell. I heard a statistic that made me weep the other day. That they estimate there to be about 7 billion people on the planet at the moment. They further estimate that about 2 billion of that 7 billion, B, are believers. If you take those remaining 5 billion people and you put them one foot apart, standing in front of each other, they will circle the globe 37 times. Five billion people are going to hell right now. We have an important mandate. We need to progress the kingdom of God. I can't do anything about five billion, but I can do something about five. How about you? How can we do it best? By coming together in small groups to encourage one another, to inspire one another, to grow to reciprocate, to observe, to understand, and to progress. Amen? Amen. Awesome. They say dynamite comes in small packages. Can you give my wife a hand? God bless you. We love and appreciate you. Great teaching. Great teaching. Well, if you would, stand to your feet. And uh, again, groups is not something we do. It really is who we are. And it enables each and every one of us to be connected um, have you guys been enjoying the videos that we've been putting on our, our uh, CFC, our campus pages? One of those that stood out to me was uh, a lady said that, you know, especially the size of our church. I mean, we have five campuses, nine Sunday morning services, soon to be um, six campuses and 11 Sunday morning services. But she said that it's, it, especially at the size of a church uh, of our size, it's easy to come lonely and leave lonely. So literally, we have created 
a vehicle for you to come be known and to know love and be loved. So I'm going to ask each and every one of you, make sure that you are in a group in Jesus' name. Next Sunday, we have a great big surprise that happens once a year, and it is happening on our main campus. It would be a great Sunday to bring a friend with you. Would you bow your hearts as we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we open this service with worship, with prayer, and God, we're going to close this. We thank you that you are not the God that tabernacles in buildings, but you are the God that tabernacles in the hearts of your people. So we're not going to leave you here. We're taking you with us to our homes, our workplaces. Would you go with us? May you bless us in every single arena of life. And, Father, we just want to speak blessings over your people, our loved ones. Kelly and I love you. We deeply and dearly love you. And we speak the blessings of God over your life. Father, would you go with us now? In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.